All right, so let's talk about gay stuff. Let's talk about gay stuff. Gay stuff, the podcast where we talk about gay stuff and discuss the week in LGBT history. I'm Thomas. Tony. Kendall. And we're here to talk about gay stuff. All right, so this week we're talking about the week of July 14th. I almost forgot my line on that one. (laughs) So my name is... (laughs) <laughs> the week of July 14th through 20th. Uh, a couple interesting topics that we'll talk about. Uh, we'll talk about a scandal involving a uh, gay congressman, Barney Frank. We'll talk about uh, a picket that happened in San Francisco area. And then we'll talk about Queer Eye for the Straight Guy premiering uh, back in the day. Ooh. So I think some fun, interesting topics. But before we dive into our, our, our the meat of the subject, anything fun happened this week? Exciting reads, movies, watching... My week was pretty basic, so no, nothing exciting, no major movies. Well, can we head on just a little bit? Because you're oozing out blood. So what happened? Oh, so yes. So of course I am gay. So of course I do have to ride a scooter around town instead of driving a car. You do wear a nice scarf when you when you uh, when you're riding. Well, no, I'm I'm also a lesbian, so no fashion accessories, yes, just the scooter, a just the boots, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not even a Vespa. So. It's the lesbian version, the more practical version. Or if you're gay, you pronounce it Vethba. 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 No. So, yes, riding my scooter, had a little boo-boo where I kind of, you know, jammed on my brakes because the car in front of me did, rolled over, so I'm a little scraped up. Major brush with death. Of course, I have to be dramatic because I'm gay, but I'm hoping I'll survive it. <laughs> you need to make if, if this is my last podcast, thank you, listeners. Love you. It's been a great run. If Please. anyone wants to be his nurse, he is single and he's oh, yes, yes, yes. male nurses to give him a... He needs a, a male wet nurse. A, a body... Uh, yes, wet being bath. the key yeah. word. Thank sponge you. Bath. He, is, <laughs> he is wet. But other than your bandages being wet, you seem to be okay, So which is good. I was yes. When you told me that, I was like, oh my gosh, are you secretly dying? But you seem... You're, yes. you're walking around. Your secret's you, out. You got a, a small gate, uh, but, uh, yeah. but you're... But I'm cool. You're I'm cool. But a big back gate. Well, hey, thank you. Glad you're okay. And again, look at that wagon I'm dragging. Interested <laughs> male nurses. Uh, Tony is accepting uh, phone calls. So, yes. all right. Glad you're okay. Uh, grinder pings. Grinder. Yes. Message me on grinder. Nobody answers their phone That's anymore. That's his new status. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this week, also, um, the women's soccer team won the World Cup. How was that? Were you guys watching that? I did not watch it. I didn't watch it, but it's so much coverage. With yes, everybody's posting about it. Amazing. Megan Rapinoe, yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. C- congrats <clears throat> to the women's team. Yeah. yeah, but there was a lot of controversy over there uh, because you had yes, you had uh, outspoken soccer player uh, talking about you know, taking it on with Trump, which I think would have been a non-event had it not been for the president deciding to attack her pretty much on on Twitter. Is it? Disrespectful slash unpatriotic if you're on a U.S. team mm. to trash your own president? No. Okay. Is she the first one to do it's it? freedom of speech. I know. But she didn't even do it while she was playing. I mean, that comment about him, like, I wouldn't go to the White House, came out apparently before the World, the, the World Cup tournament even started. And so they asked her, like, would you go to the White House if you guys won? And she'd say, no, I declined it. And then the interview comes out, and then he, of course, that – prompts a reaction from the president. I mean, the president, this week, the president had one of his, uh, another stellar week, but it's hard to top them all because he, not only does he come after the soccer player, he goes and attacks the, the UK. UK ambassador, yeah. Yeah, the UK ambassador. Who is forced to resign. Yeah, because he said I wasn't going to, you know, the president said he wasn't going to deal with him anymore. So crazy that the president, I mean, could you imagine 
Obama, Bush, Clinton, Bush Senior, Reagan engaging in that sort of like. Well, can you also behavior? imagine though if a soccer player went after Obama, we wouldn't be all like free speech, go. No, I mean look at the um, the Dixie chicks. I mean she made one comment. Do you remember this? Like when mm-hmm. we went into Iraq. Yeah. Yeah, I mean she she was in somewhere in Europe, and right before her concert, she basically. Yeah, she made a comment that she was not not um, like didn't. Su- I can't remember what she said, but it was something like her thing was she didn't support the war and didn't support America. She said not everybody's proud to be from Texas because or, of George Bush. That's what she said. Or from the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so um, I mean, country. Well, the radi- only thing in Texas is steers and queers, and I don't see any steers in this room. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like all of the. Country radio stations were throwing away their music. They wouldn't play her. I mean, they got like hate mail, and I mean, it derailed their career. I mean, which tells for a you how far time. we've come. Like the fact yeah. that you know, and that was in two thousand three, two thousand four when that yes, happened, yeah. and now we're here. We are in twenty nineteen, and everyone's like, "Oh, she's getting uh, um, endorsements," you know, from you know, major deal endorsements. Which Ben Shapiro, the conservative commentator, like he's. He was getting some backlash because she said the only reason she's getting so much attention and all these deals is because she's an outspoken lesbian, uh, which you know I might I think there's some truth to that. But even still, the fact that you you know you would be a les an outspoken lesbian and that would afford you more. I mean, just think about Colin Kaepernick. I mean, not until Nike did the ad last year was he getting any. I mean, he's been shunned. He, he's yeah. never going to play in the in the in the NFL again, and so <laughs> in the NFL again, and so now. Uh, now you have this woman who's getting you know a lot of praise for being outspoken, um, but to your point, Kendall, I mean she, you know, if this were during Obama's administration, yeah, there would be a different reaction. The media would be like, "How dare you?" You know, which I'm kind of growing. I wouldn't say the the fake news piece, but the media is like very slanted towards Trump, rightly so. I mean, they're calling him out on all the stuff, but it's like it's almost an obsession of like. Let's see what we can find. And it, it just gets it's exhausting. It sells. It sells. Yeah. Yeah. I think he does it to himself, though, because, I mean, totally he, agree. Totally agree. you know, like he He's loves controversy. Yeah. 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 It's just it, it's exhausting. And, you know, it, it, I hear the media folks, you know, talking all the time saying, well, we have to cover this because if we let it slide, then we normalize it. But it's like at some point. No. Well, I mean, I mean that's their excuse, but well, they do it because yeah. of money. It's always money first. Always, well, I, always I think, money first. I, and I honestly, my personal opinion is that's one of the reasons. The reasons. Okay, so I honestly think that's one of the reasons why Trump was elected because I think the media during the entire election season last season was all about the ratings, and if you look at all of the Republican debates. There weren't a lot of questions on issues or important topics. It was like, oh, Marco Rubio said you have small hands. How do you respond to that? Or Chris Christie said this about you. And so I think they really wanted, like, dirt and spitfire. And I think, mm-hmm. like, they just – they, they wanted the ratings. And so they were like, let's not go after issues. Let's go after these things, which are going to get viewers involved. But, yeah. but Trump did that, too. I mean, it was right. – Oh, it's, yeah, it's, I think it was – like, The media wanted it. He like, perpetuated it. They're it both just, complicit yeah. in it. And, I agree. And, and he, uh, he continues to uh, – to, I mean, during – when he was campaigning, I mean, he gave all these news outlets, like, free, free, free content, right? I mean, he just would call them up 
yeah. and say, hey, let's talk. So on, on all the stations, Morning Joe, CNN, I mean, he would call Don Lemon, which now— I, I had mean, a coworker that isn't political. She doesn't really probably vote in every election. And she said, I, in, even in the primary, she goes, I'm voting for Trump. She goes, I like reality TV, and if he's elected— Every day on the news, it's going to be like reality TV. So I'm voting for him. And it is. And like you said, this week, I mean, he, or in the last few weeks, he picked on on a soccer player. And I don't even think, so had this been during Obama's administration uh, and a player was calling out Obama, I don't, one, I don't think the, yeah, the news media would have probably covered it. But the difference is Obama wouldn't have wouldn't have chimed in. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have commented right. on that. And, and his press secretaries would have said, that's not something we're getting involved in, right? We're, we're supporting the U.S. team, and that's that. that. That would have been the line out of the Obama Well, even I think when the Dixie Chicks said that about George Bush— He didn't get involved in it. He just said—I mean, he didn't say anything. He just thought, let the world take care of itself. You're and the president of the freaking United States. You don't need to chime in on that stuff. But that's what he does, and yep. so— um, <laughs> And so I think that's what makes makes this different. So what should have been a good celebration has now become this whole partisan event uh, where people are are not fully embracing the victory that you know that that, that which occurred. is sad because I mean historically soccer hasn't been that huge in the U.S. It's just the last several years that it's kind of gaining momentum and like our and our women's team is amazing. Yep. And so it's kind of sad that it's. Like, that's taking the spotlight away. The interesting thing with the women's team, and I don't know if because at the time the tournament started that uh, that it, it was revealed what, uh, what what was said about the president or not them not wanting to go to the White House, but there, there seemed to be a lot of backlash, and maybe it was non-U.S. stuff, about the sportsmanship of the soccer team because they – they played Thailand in like the first round, and like they, they routed them um, by double-digit victory, uh, which folks were saying, "Well, that's unsportsmanlike." And you know, I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that was an issue. But I did, I did see some behavior that you know, folks were saying, "Well, you'd never say that to a guy." And I guess it's just my personal bias and having played sports in the past. I don't like when you spike the football. Just you know score the touchdown or in this case mm, in soccer score yeah. the goal and then get on with it it's good to celebrate with your teammates but to be excessive and flamboyant about it that's never been my personal style so i get some of the feedback on, uh, on that but i i mean i don't think and to me my that's not a commentary on men versus women that's just a, a sportsman-like thing to begin with but i hey, think the best thing you could do is say all the things you want to about trump first amendment interviews and all that and then still go to the white house because it's it's the office. It's the office. And yeah. It's the White House. And then leave and continue on about your business. Yeah. But I don't know about all these people boycotting going to the White House just because Trump is there. I mean, what are you really accomplishing? Mm, I don't know. See, my thing is I would look at her perspective as I'm not going to legitimize his presidency. Like, personally. I mean, I know he is president, but— And he was elected by saying, like, duly. I mean— Russian interference aside, I mean, they, the Russians didn't hack the, the, the voting system, right? Mm. Yeah, they influenced folks mm. from a, uh, from <laughs> a, from a, uh, and they influenced folks from social media and that sort. But it wasn't like they hacked. I mean, people voted for Trump. I mean, and you see it in the, the polls today. People like Trump, right? I mean, right. I don't. But there's still 35 to 40 percent of Americans that are like, 40 we, some, like yeah. you know, we like what he's doing. So uh, you all the the bots did all the russians did was just 
uh, bring to light right, that sentiment bring, yeah. that was hidden during the Obama administration was there because of all the racist tones and, and the backlash against Obama. But I think it just it, this gave him a voice because in the past they were right. re, they were they were re, repressed or pushed back, uh, and now Trump embraces what they say, right? And so, um, so I don't I I don't know I, I what I don't like about this whole. Uh, thing though is the president and it's all on the president because he responded like he politicized this event so the soccer when they had the celebration the other day uh in new york the soccer team there was a lot of well at least the the news clips that are coming out are more com political commentary like oh we've got to stand up and we've got to fight normally you don't hear sports teams talking about that i get that they're women yeah but this isn't their first world cup winning either yeah so yeah it, it's it's definitely and uh, I saw one thing, and I think it was from Ben Shapiro. Like, you see, you saw the the soccer team more embraced on CNN and MSNBC than you did on ESPN, right? So, if we were truly embracing their sports, then we would have seen all the highlights mm -hmm. on ESPN. Instead, we're seeing, you know, Don Lemon, Anderson Cooper, Rachel Maddow interviewing, you know, the soccer team, talking about politics and their invitation to the the White House. I mean, it's it's a this situation, in my opinion, is squarely on like the reason it's as tainted as it is. It's squarely on the president, but that's where we are. So kudos to everyone who voted for President Trump. Hopefully well, what is different in what does show progress is that they're not talking about. I mean, there are several lesbians that have um, have been outspoken. Megan Rapinoe being the biggest one, but. We're not talking about their sexuality, which remember Billie mm -hmm. Jean King when she was, yeah. you know, all these lesbian athletes, when they came out or were forced out, it was like, am I even going to have a career after this? That's not the issue. I feel like if these women were straight, it would just be still about the political well, message they're saying. Well, that's what the conservatives are saying, though, that they, they have a louder megaphone because they are, in their words, angry, mm. angry lesbians. But I don't know. I, like I said, it's a it's a it's become what a situation that should be celebrated to a, a situation that's become politicized. And it's, again, that's squarely on um, President DJT. So hopefully things will change down the road. But I doubt it. So unless something drastic happens in 2020, let's you know what what will happen though um well it'll freaking be florida again but speaking of you just went to florida kendall on vacation Florida just got back from miami and key west you look all fun. tan uh, no, barely i'm like a little pink like, i was like joking laffy taffy pink that's just sunburn <laughs> i know and i was barely in the sun yeah. i burned very easily obviously uh but yeah it was fun and it's the low season so there weren't that many people out but you're like thank god yeah it let me shine even more. <laughs> Any fun stories? No. Oh, come on. <laughs> Your friend didn't get crazy. They were just, they weren't fun. Yeah, there were crazy stories, but not, um, not you know, not for now. Not for now. On the one-year anniversary. At the end of the podcast, when he has a few drinks. That's the after-hour show. Yeah. Tune in. No. Ooh, the late night. Yeah. Late you know, night podcast. You know how, like, on some of those shows, like, the, the, the walking, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, they have those, uh, be, uh sounds like they, the Cinemax. They have uh, the. Soft porn. RuPaul used to have the uh, Illusions Lounge or whatever after uh, the Ooh. Untucked. Yeah, that's, that's, we could save it for untucked. that. All right. So, uh, yeah. So let's uh, let's. It sounds like we had a fun week. Uh, plenty of controversy going on. So let's uh, let's get into our uh, let's get into talking about gay stuff. Before we do that, hey, 
Did you know the unemployment rate is at 3.7% in the US? If you are trying to hire someone, then you probably already know that because you are having trouble finding quality candidates. Economy Works is here to help. Don't have time, energy, or the resources to hire? Economy Works is ready to help you write job descriptions, find candidates, review resumes, and phone screen candidates. Let the Economy Works talent help you do more with less. Economy Works. When we work, the Economy Works. Find out more at economyworks.com. All right. So, uh, so over to me, I guess. We're going to talk about the premiere of, well, before I get into that, so we're going back to 2003. What was happening in 2003? Remember, can you guys, you blocked it out of your, your Yeah, wasn't your, that when we invaded Iraq? We invaded Iraq, yes. Yeah, any fun? Britney Spears came out with an album, I believe. Well, actually, she didn't. I was, I was researching that. I was like, oh, yeah, Britney was, but actually, Britney. 2002. Uh, 2002, and then she came out. Oh, she did come out one th- one in two thousand three. You're right. It was later uh, in the year. Beyonce came out with her first solo album. Christina had an album. Alicia Keys was popular. Um, so that's on the music front. On the TV front, you remember the big shows that were going on? Friends. I didn't watch Friends TV. Was there. Remember? So you still didn't have the t- <laughs> TV. I had it, but by that time, I like was used to not watch. You didn't know how to turn it on. Yeah, because you weren't used to it. Reality TV was big. Yeah. Oh yeah. Things real- like. What what was the MTV show Real House? Well, Real House. Oh my god. <laughs> what gosh. was it called? <laughs> Real, World. Real World. Real World. Yeah. Yeah, that was around, but there were other shows. Like they it started becoming House. popular on like network TV. So you had things like Survivor. Survivor. Apprentice. A pr- no, Apprentice wasn't out yet. But we're yeah, we're not allowed to um, use that word. Uh, American Idol, Big Brother, all those sorts of things. Extreme Makeover. So we were starting to get flooded with with all these uh, reality TV shows. Uh, on the LGBT front, what was going on? Queer eye for the straight guy. Queer eye for the straight guy. But but the context of being like, yes, all these things were happening, but from a from an LGBT milestone, like we were still faced with don't ask, don't tell. We still couldn't get married. Uh, Lawrence v. Texas had just, just been yeah. overturned. Uh, so we were finally allowed to legally have you know, gay sex. Um, and uh, so all that was happening. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere... Um, this uh, this this show appears in 2003, on uh, July 15, 2003, uh, 2003. Queer Eye for the Straight Guy premieres on Bravo TV. So Bravo TV was, you know, historically known for some boring programming. Uh, there was the one that uh, Will Ferrell used to make fun of on SNL. What was it? The um, actor studio inside actor, the actor in, studio. Inside of the actor studio. Like that, that was, was their, good though. <laughs> that was their big show that they were known for. Uh, and then Bravo TV drops this this show on July 15th. Um, it was one of two LGBT-oriented shows that they would be releasing in July of 2003, the other one being Boy Meets Boy. Um, so just an aside on Boy Meets Boy, the premise of that show, which didn't last long. What, yeah, what was it about? Yeah, so it was kind of like take The Bachelor and take um, – there was another show, a straight show, Million Dollar, Million Dollar Man or something like that. Uh, and so it's taking these two concepts, and it's basically saying you have a, a, a man, a gay man – who has to select from a, a pool of suitors uh, a, someone he wants to date. The challenge with this pool of suitors is it's mixed with gay and straight guys. And so, oh. so really, um, while the, know you, know, in, you know, in one instance, while the, you know, the, 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 the prevailing premise is like, oh, is he going to find love? 
you know, there's there's a secret kind of plot behind that to saying, yeah, but can the straight guy trick the gay guy to thinking, yeah. you know, he loves them? And think about how twisted that is, right? So it's yeah. like, and The Bachelor, you know, you have someone who selects their mate, and either they work out or they don't. But and if they do work out, you know, at least there's always one prospect, right? Yeah. Uh, in this boy meets boy world, it's like if you select the straight guy, it's like, haha, well. Too bad. Yeah. Thought you were in love, but no. So it was pretty twisted. Um, but Queer Eye was not like that. Queer I'd be willing to gamble. <laughs> <laughs> we're on dice. that show in 2003. Queer Eye like, was very different, though. I mean, it was a huge milestone for the LGBT community uh, because it was one of the few shows that featured it was one of the few shows that featured a lead LGBT characters at the time. So um, think about what was out on air. It was basically Will and Grace. I mean, you had a, yep. a couple of... Um, uh, LGBT characters and, and shows like Queer Eye, I'm not Queer Eye, but uh, Queer as Folk and other other. Ellen series. had come out. Yeah, Ellen had come out, but that. she was off off the air, right? And so there wasn't there wasn't a lot of LGBT characters, and even Will, with Will and Grace, Eric McCormick, who played Will, was not he's not gay, and Sean Hayes, who played Jack, was not out, and so you really had no gay characters that were played by gay people, and so. This this new this new show, uh, you know, was very kind of in your face because it not only was hat featuring gay characters and these guys weren't characters they were real people right this was a reality show, um, but it also had an in your face title Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, um, so I think there was some. Well, tell uh, the people that haven't seen it what it's about. Yeah, yeah. So, but but I think. I think when folks were uh, taking that on, they were like, well, what is, what is, you know, what is this going to entail? Like, is this, you know, the gay conversion that we've been thinking about? But what it was, what it was, was a, um, you know, it was deemed as a makeover show, but really what they tried to slant it as is it was a make better show. Uh, basically you had five gay guys who would uh, help, a, help a straight guy, uh, a poor, a poor straight guy, uh, w- with uh, with things like grooming, keeping his house clean, um, how to how to Live dine, fashion, yeah, uh, and you know all sorts of things to help him. How to be a better bottom. How to be a better bottom. How to how to help him dance. How to be more culturally aware uh, of of things. So it was a, a, a complete departure from the other shows because a lot of the shows that were out there were competition shows, right? So this one was like, and or they were makeover shows saying you have this. But you know what it also did, which I'm okay with. It perpetuated stereotypes. Well, let me get there. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean it was it was a it was a show that uh, was a kind of like I said not a makeover show but a make better show. Um, but the uh, that w- it was well received early on. Um, the reviews were that you know it was the first feel good primetime reality series that was out there. You know there were no hurt feelings, which a lot of those you know Big Brother types you know or American Idol. Someone's going home feeling you know defeated. Um, you know, everybody has a lot of laughs and, and the victim, this, this hapless straight guy walks away with a few handy pointers as does the audience in terms of how to groom better. Not, yes. A few handies, uh, further the, the straight guy in question wasn't so much made over, but he was, he was refocused in terms or of kind of like enhanced. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, so that was an, uh, an appealing thing. And again, I, I talk about all the things that were going on in, in 2003 because it wasn't. I mean, this is post 9-11, too, so we're still feeling the effects of that heading into war. So you were looking for something that was going to be a bit more uh, refreshing, right, or something more lighthearted or more feel-good. Um, <clears throat> again, it was noted by the critics that, you know, that 
again, being well-received, that they're really trying to make the, the straight guy better, not over. And the straight guy, the differenti differentiator here is he's not only willing to be molded, but he's also grateful for the advice. So it's not like they're giving him – because you'd see some shows where, you know, the, you've got the, the judges or the, the help, you know, the, the queer eyes in this case, helping, but the, 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 um, the recipient wasn't very – uh, receptive of, of the, the help they were getting. So this was a, a way to, to, that, again, you had a, a grateful recipient. Um, of course, the audience enjoyed it um, because it was matter of fact, and they enjoyed the Fab Five, which was a, 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 a term that become, became synonymous with the five hosts that uh, uh, led the show. Um, and they re really appreciated the naturalness and the fun that the, the hosts uh, conveyed. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, Carson Cressley, who's one of the hosts, he noted, he's like, the difference for us is we weren't playing to a type. Um, you know, we were just being who we are. We were being authentic self. So, again, comparing that to, like, a will and grace, so like, yes, they had gay characters, but those guys were playing characters, right? These mm -hmm. guys, you know, although stereotypical uh, that, you know, we're, you know, gays are focused on fashion and design and etiquette, he's like, we weren't playing a part. That's just who we were. And so that was kind of one of the things that, again, was appealing to uh, the audience. So a little bit about the Fab Five, right? Um, you guys know Carson Kressley, yeah? I mean, you guys, yeah. do you guys know all these guys? Uh, Carson, of course, was the, the fashion expert. Um, he's, uh, since then, is, is you know, I think probably most known, uh, at least to the younger gays, is the guy on RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, so he's a, he's a guest judge on there. And then you had Ted Allen, who was a food and wine connoisseur, really kind of focused on, on etiquette. Um, he's been around for a while on hosting a number of events, a uh, number of series, rather, like Chopped, uh, the next uh, Food Network star, Iron Chef. Uh, you had Kyan Douglas, who was focused on grooming. Um, you know, that guy you didn't see as much. He, he kind of took some time off, but now you can see him on, on Rachel Ray Show. Uh, Tom Felicia, who is a guy you like, Kendall, because of his mm -hmm. I love his interior design style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he was good. Uh, and then you had Jay Rodriguez, who also is around. Uh, he was more focused on, on pop culture and relationships, uh, and he's been had several acting gigs since then. Um, the show, again, was popular at the time from 2003, ran until 2007, uh, earned an Emmy Award uh, for an outstanding reality program during its run. And, you know, at one point during its peak, had about 3 million viewers on there. So, again, quite cool. popular. Um, of course, you know, every show has its critics. So this one, some of the criti critiques were, as you were noting, Kendall, playing to the stereotypes, right? It perpetuated some of the things that people just – assumed gay people consumed. I think the big impact it had is that straight guys were letting, asking gay people to come into their home and like saying, okay, I want your advice. Like I'm coming to you to help me, which even at that time, straight guys did right. not want yeah. anything I to agree. do with yeah. the gays. And I think that's even, cause around 2003, that's the whole metrosexual term. Yes. Yep. Came about. Yep. And I think queer, eye had a big impact on, I agree men plucking their eyebrows and doing their hair and well, that was gonna those be my awful dragon shirts. That was going to be my my big critique of the show is that it brought a for, like forward, like in our face, the term metrosexual, which I never Even liked. though metrosexuals were always there, they just, you, we called them preppy or... From my perspective, what I remember about this show, because I didn't really watch it, I don't watch a lot of TV, but... Um, I was living in Louisiana, working offshore, you know, so in the oil industry. And so that was kind of like 
everybody that I hung out with. And it was one of the first shows where, like, pretty much most, it was popular, so a lot of people watched it. And women would bring it up and think, oh, my God, this is a great show. It's legit. And the guys would be the first to, like, oh, you know, point out the negative, like, it's so stereotypical. But, you know, women would kind of, like, legitimize it, you know, like to their husbands or in general conversation. But um, I just remember that, that it being very popular and women would be very excited about it, probably because they thought, God, I wish my husband was more, you know, like a little bit like this or could use this show or whatever. And I think a lot of straight men, and maybe it was like their, you know, probably their historical like (coughs) anti-gay mentality but then also like well i don't want to be held to that pedestal or whatever but they would kind of be anti the show but like it would be and it wasn't even like a heated discussion it was just like at at a group dinner they could talk about it and it's like oh my god i love that show and it's like "Mm, you know bunch of gays blah 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 so stereotypical but it was kind of brought to the forefront and you could legitimately talk about it and it wasn't like i i think even the guys that were maybe critical of it were it's a legitimate show. It's just not my thing or whatever. Right. The gay guys? The straight guys. Well, even there were gay guys that were like, I'm not one of those fat mm, Yeah, I could see that too. Like yeah. there was kind of a backlash of, I'm not one of those people. Because yeah. they were very flamboyant and, you know, um, very put together. And they picked stereotype Of course, careers. yeah. Uh, I mean, overall, it was, it had to me a positive impact, but I do oh, remember I so at too, the time, yeah. gays becoming kind of trendy to where girls wanted gay friends and even Cosmo did a uh, article about how the number one I forget what year it was I think it was around 2007 accessory number one accessory is a gay best friend <laughs> right and that, that Which was there an, was backlash that was before another, Paris brought the chihuahua right exactly yeah. that was another critique of the show it's like it just kind of brought that to the to the forefront of you know the gay accessory right because now you could bring the gay guy around and he would help you you know plan for your party or what you know meals to prepare or help you dress your husband or yeah um or your boyfriend or whatever and yeah it just it perpetuated those stereotypes it, it kind of brought while it was bringing gay people into mainstream society it was at the your an accessory. You're not the main character. You're like a useful sidekick. Right, right, right. To better me. Right. The other thing that was, you know, they noted it was you know, all cisgender, uh, so not in all, mm-hmm. basically all, all but one, all white males, right? So not a lot of diversity uh, in terms of the Fab Five. Uh, and like I said, my big beef was the metrosexual piece. Like that, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't, that, I couldn't yeah, get over I, that. I time. forgot about that, but that was kind of the kickoff of the metrosexual. And that was a big deal for a lot of years so that, you right. know, you know, guys wanting to be very metro. But I feel like that was like, a, a, um, the buy thing, right? It's just a gateway to, to y'all go in. It's just like, but it helped me as a, cause I wasn't, no, but I, I think a lot of guys wanted to be like that guy that like hundred percent straight, never had any interest in men. But like they wanted to be that guy that was like, oh my god, look at that suit. They wanted to feel pretty. All men want to feel attractive and yeah. That's was the kind of head turning notice. Yeah, but I don't know. Like there's something like the metrosexual was like too clean. Like you said, the eyebrows like plucked and you know the the super smooth skin. It's like I like a little wear and tear on on those bootcut jeans with the (laughs) the, what is it sequin on the butt. Yeah. Right. But uh, I don't know, like, butts. I, I did think it was interesting because it, like, having, you know, not being out, like, in, in dating women at the time and enjoying it, like, I, there was something that was, like, stirring something weird feeling, like, some 
confusion in me because I'm like, wait, am I just uh, – because, yeah, I, I didn't want to dress. Like, I wasn't a metrosexual, so to speak. That wasn't my fashion sense. But it was you just like, had the eyebrows. Yeah, yes. But it was like, do I want to – like, is that is that all I am? Like, am I not – I'm not gay. I'm, am I just I'm a like, piece of meat to you women? No, no. But no, no, I'm saying it was – was I just kind of on the metrosexual scale and not really gay? Oh, it you made know? you wonder mm. if you were. Yeah, like it was a little bit that though not the queer eye, but the metrosexual piece. Like I said, it started to shake me out of like, am I? Well, I don't know. Like I said, it was very confusing. It was like, am I? Because I was, while I had dabbled, I was like, well, I just it's just uh, I'm still straight. And then I'm like, well, am I? Am I metro? Like, am I straight metro type? But I don't know. It was, like I said, it was a confusing time being a 24-year-old guy fresh out of college. There's always the pendulum swing, though, because remember not too long, well, a few years ago, it was all about dad bods. (laughs) And I think that was a reaction to... Wait, I missed that trend? Dad bods? Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. That's exactly right. Dad bods in 2019 is something different. The uh, guy from uh, the, what's that underwater... uh, Aquaman. He just came out with a. There was on t- Twitter. There was all. And they're little, shaming him for having a dad bod. Yeah. 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 yeah but he doesn't have a dad bod. Like he has right. a. What most guys our age would be like. Yeah, I'm cut. Like he's still very cut. It's just not. Oh, and they're like it's a dad bod. Yeah. If okay. I, well, I'll show well you he got rid of his bit. beard, which really made him look chunky. He does. He's not chunky. Right. I'm saying <laughs> visually because he doesn't have that. Facial hair? He's still sculpted. Yeah, it was crazy. Oh, I was going to shave mine. Should I not? Well, I look even fatter. Well, do you want to embrace <laughs> your dad bond? Ah. Well, I've been embracing have the internet talk else. about you. Well, now he's got scars to prove. <laughs> he's got bandages and that he's, he's hiding. Yes. But uh, I'm going for the rugged look. Yeah. <laughs> really rugged. So Did you have an extreme makeover and you said you had a Vespa accident? Right. My extreme makeover was... <laughs> <laughs> on my legs. Yeah, that's not. If you're trying to shave Elbow, off yeah. fat from your body, that's not how to do it. You don't. Like, you don't yeah. burn you start it from off. the ground up. <laughs> you I, I need my softball legs. Like, you don't burn it off by scraping. Your well, he's got to pay off the legs, and then he can work up. <laughs> I would have my above the waist. Like that's next time. Next time. Yeah. So queer eye though. Uh, you know, it, it. You think about it today. Um, yeah, I think it was a. You know, as you were saying, Kendall. Overall, I think people view it as a. Despite some criticism, it was a popular show in its time, uh, and and I think it was a sign of progress because y- you saw in in the show that that there was friendships that could be made between straight and queer men, which is a bond that was. Uh, wasn't okay to be formed previously, right? I mean, you couldn't if you did that. You know, then you were if you were if you're a straight man hanging out with gay men, then you were gay, right? Which is not the case. And so this this made it feel normal that you could not only go to gay men and get some help and some advice on some yeah, stereotypical things, but you could also be friends uh, and, and form a bond on that. So um, you know, basically saying queer men and straight men could coexist, they could laugh and work together without any sexual strings attached, despite. The gay man's best. It was know, a good show. Yeah. I do feel like the clothes they put them in were like, ooh, gay. Boo-boo, you gay. You ain't metrosexual, boo-boo. <laughs> you just gay. It was like, that's when those really colorful shirts came in, which a lot of straight oh, guys yes, were wearing. Oh, yes, yes. And the cuff was the always The colorful up. button down, yeah. It was like these big lapels. Yeah, and the, yeah exactly. It was almost like kind of a throwback to the 70s. I still have that shirt. I'm yeah. Kidding. Like with the stripes and the the colors. The and, floral yeah. on the inside. And yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Of course, as we know, Queer Eye has uh, seen a reboot, although with a different Fab Five. Uh, so it was rebooted in 2018 on Netflix, um, doing really well. Had a, Season had, four comes out July 19th. I was going to say they, they've got a nine, they've got a very positive review on on Rotten Tomato, 91% rating, and they've been renewed for two more seasons. So I like uh, it. It's completely different. They're more like it's less a focus of outward stuff. Then, and we're doing, they're doing women, too. Well, first of all, let me digress. Do y'all remember the female version where it was five lesbians? No. Over Making over women? What? It lasted, I don't even think, one season. Oh, I can imagine. But, I mean, what would they Who's do? Come in, in and yeah. build a deck for you? Or, like, put on I some cargo. I mean, what cargo- five lesbians, if we're going to have stereotype. Or put on cargo shorts and a sports jersey. I mean. Let's join a softball team. Teach you how to barbecue, right? How to play softball? I mean, I, we love our lesbians. you got to speak to your audience. Gloria's listening. Yes. Gloria, we love you. Well, she's taking notes. Hi, Gloria. Oh, Gloria, you could run the fuck out of that show. She, she could, could. Yeah. It's a spinoff. <laughs> we'll do a spinoff. Gloria's Girls. Let's talk about lesbian stuff. <laughs> Coming to a podcast near you. Uh, yeah, so you're right. The The show, I think, is well-received um, because it's not it, – yes, it's a reboot, but it's not entirely a – uh, uh, a reset on on the old show. It's it's new. It's a different perspective. New new host instead of just being solely based on new in in New York like the last show was. Uh, although they had a couple of um, uh, trips outside of New York, this one they're all they're on the road, right? They're in yeah. In the Red first States. season was Atlanta, and oh, then okay. it was Kansas City. And and to your point, Kendall, like it's not just about like let's help you be better, but they're also kind of in the in the the subtext of the stories they're telling talking about kind of real relevant issues that are impacting all of our lives um now i think there's some criticism like they're trying to squeeze too much in it but but they're saying hey look it's still resonating with the audience they're bringing in issues like black lives matter uh you know gay people coming out to their families so some some hard hitting like storylines that again transcend just let's make you over or make you better let's let's help you be a better person well and one thing that they're kind of Forward on because in 2003, no one was using words like cisgendered, non binary, mm-hmm. and all the terms that even I don't know. But one of them, Jonathan Van Ness, who is hilarious, said, Is it non binary? You might not even know. He know. came out recently as, I'm not, I'm pretty much, I don't identify as oh, a yeah, man, yeah. woman. Yeah. I just live my life. You know, he has long hair, a beard, and pretty much always wears a dress, and he's not trying to be transgender. So that's a whole new conversation that even in 2019, yeah. they're bringing that wasn't there in 2003. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so just a final thought on 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 the show, the original. You know, it it did change. And uh, again, going back to a quote from Carson Kressley, he's saying, "Growing up, people would say, oh my God, there's that queer guy.'" Uh, he said, "But after the release of Queer Eye, uh, when he would return home, he'd pe- hear people sh- shouting." Oh my God! You're that queer guy, and so kill him. Like, the tone, the, the tone was very celebratory versus it being oh, like okay. as when he was growing up, where people were like there's that queer. So, so it's come a long way. Um, I watched a few episodes of the early, like I, I mean, it's interesting that I. When I, I think st- it's all still on Netflix. Yeah, when I started doing the research for this, or when I got, uh, you know, I got assigned this topic. Um, I was like, oh, what am I? I've not, I don't remember the show. I haven't watched the reboot. But oh, I, I did I was, you watch it back in the day? I watched a few episodes, but again, I was wasn't uh, wasn't gay, so I was and like, you no homo. Because you were so, like Metro. But like, 
as oh, as is what happens to me often, uh, the significant other starts watching the show, and then I'm like, well, I'm sitting here watching this show. Uh, so that's that's kind of what like happened. That's what there. I want to be when I grow up. No, I didn't. But uh, but I, like I remember watching it, thinking it was an interesting show. But I'm not a big reality TV show person in general. But I will say, as I was doing the research on on this on this show, I was reminded of some of the episodes. But I I, I do feel like it was a kind of a, played a major milestone in in terms yeah, of the so. LGBT acceptance. Or brought um, people into their home, gays into their home. Yeah, and so I I was really I was like, wow, this yeah. is. And I feel like the conversations I was talking about were it could be like an open dinner table discussion with a group of people kind of legitimized or, you know, just made it more of an open conversation. Anytime you're more visible. Yeah. And like a brown, great groundbreaking thing like Ellen coming out, she lost her show and lost a bunch of sponsors and was out of work for years. But it sowed the seeds for her to become this Mm -hmm. pioneer that's now more appreciated and has like the number one talk show. Yeah. And so the seeds for other people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's my somewhat, uh, you know, you look at today's political landscape and you've got someone like an AOC or, you know, in 2016, Bernie Sanders, people that are out there, like for them to just dog the, what moderates, I mean, I, I get, you need to, and we talked about this before, you need to be aspirational, but I feel, I mean, cause I'm more of a pragmatist. Like I, I feel like, you know, we need to recognize we're not going to get there. I mean, if people would have been complaining in 2003, like <clears throat> there's not enough, uh, you know, transgendered people in, in the show. Like, I've, I mean, I, that's a legitimate claim, but I'm like, there's no gay people being talked about. So are we, do we get, do we become okay with like having just a little bit of progress or do we have to be all in all the time? Like I, to me, that's where there's some tension there on, on the, uh, on the left that I think, could get us in trouble in 2020. Uh, but moderates aren't even <coughs> what progress are a lot of times they advocating for. Because sometimes the moderate view is taking the conservative view. You know, the moderate view comes about because liberals are forcing a conservative viewpoint to drag into the current year, if that makes any sense. So it kind of, if you're advocating, arguing for what some consider an extreme position, what it's going to land on a lot of times is a moderate position. And it becomes the moderate view. But a lot of times the so-called centrist and moderates um, side with the conservatives. Well, you know, So the definition of moderate changes because of liberals saying, no, we demand this. The whole public op- option on healthcare is a, now a moderate view of Medicare for all. But that was never a moderate view before, if that makes sense. They were forced to kind of find a compromise. So I guess kind of getting back to Thomas's original point, a good example is the Houston Equal Rights Ordinance a few years ago. And so for viewers that don't know, uh, four or five, six years ago, Houston was voting on this Equal Rights Ordinance and because basically it's still okay to get fired for being gay, get thrown out of your you know landlord's house for being gay, whatever. Um, and so Houston wanted to have a citywide ordinance of, you know, equal white rights for LGBT people. And there was a big issue of should we include transgenders? And Anise Parker was mayor at the time. And originally they thought if we I mean, if we do not include transgenders in the bill, much higher likelihood this will pass. But the transgender community was like, are you kidding me? We have a lesbian mayor this needs to be in the bill. And so 
they did end up including, and then it became labeled the bathroom bill, where all these male predators are going to be in the female bathroom. And so, I mean, for right or wrong, like, I mean, I think it's right to include everybody, but then it's like the bill didn't pass. Whereas if it hadn't included them, it would have, but then it's like, well, what progress did you make then? You know, you made half progress, but so there's always a struggle. Well, that was one of the things that we kind of noted in our one of our, our kind of daily uh, uh Day in the uh, uh, day in LGBT history, right? So that in this w- past week, uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, became in the, back in 1972 was the first city to pass an ordinance that protected uh, gay and bisexual rights. It didn't. They wanted to put transgender rights in there, uh, but they weren't going to be able to pass it. Mm-hmm. So they, they pulled the transgender protections out, uh, which was unfortunate. Again. Um, uh, I don't know, like I, 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 because, you know, I, I'm trying to argue it in a different way. I can't relate to the transgender thing, the the transgender aspect, um, and so, and I don't mean to say transgender thing because that was not right, uh, but I can't relate to being transgender. But I, I try to put it in the context of like, if there was a, a racial uh, law that was passed that ex- excluded Hispanics, would I feel differently? Yes, I guess so. So I, I see the point. I just, yeah. I don't know. And, and my thing is. I mean, I'm not transgender, and here's why I think go broke or go home, like go for it, because if you have a law that it's like, okay, we can either include or not include transgender. If we don't, it's much higher likely to pass. If you have a law that doesn't include them and it passes, they're all on their own to fight. Whereas if if it's like it didn't pass and all of us are left in the lurch, we're all going to continue fighting. Whereas, because I mean, there's, and we'll get to this in our next topic a little bit, but, you know, there's a big portion of the gay community that they don't like transgender people or they're not going to fight for transgender people. And so, and even if you, you know, would, if you're taken care of, you know, what's your incentive to. Well, there's a big chunk of the LGBT community that don't like drag queens or effeminate men or bottoms or, I mean, there's a lot of. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stigma still. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, maybe that's my that's my a difference in, in mindset, right? Because to me, I'm always like, having worked in the corporate world, it's like you can't uh, you can't if you try to solve for 100, percent you're never going to get anything done, right? Right, right. And so I, I take that mentality, saying, okay, look, I need to make incremental steps. Like in my mindset, it's not like it's not like hey, we're going to forget about it. We got this past. We're going to forget everyone else. It's like we've got a mile. We've got a roadmap of what we're trying to do. So let's get what we can accomplish today and then quickly start working on, on, on phase two. But I get that's not everyone's feeling because most folks are like, hey, look, I'm, I'm good, so I don't need to worry about everyone else. So I, yeah. I, I, I can appreciate that. Like I said, I just – my mindset is – and this is why this – these conversations are good for me uh, because it, it does say that, you know, not everyone thinks like me. So I, uh, yep. when, when I become irritated by an AOC taking extremist views saying, and, and beating up fellow Dems for not taking being stronger position, um, you're right. You know, if we don't get, if we don't try to go all in now, then, uh, then maybe we missed the boat, which is kind of what we're, you know, did with well, to me, the best example is Bernie Sanders in 2016 was if you listen to the pundits or the so-called establishment, there's no way he ever would have had a chance. Um, nobody would ever vote for him unless they were fringe radicals. He nearly got the nomination, as identifying and as a Democrat socialist. I have to wonder, if he wasn't the nominee, if you know his lack of baggage and these 
rust belt blue collar workers that are like the system has screwed me over let's take a chance on trump would have been like you know what trump's crazy and economically bernie's for me if he wouldn't have tipped the scales in some of those states and won well hillary is the classic centrist argument of you gotta take it slow we can't hey you're acting crazy bernie she said it about barack obama too but fast forward to now three years later and he seems like a moderate because he brought the party to his mm-hmm. That's views. the thing. They move, they move. So like AOC, she's moving people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas if you listen to a lot of people that say, no, we have to do it incrementally, they're so timid about change and so instinct of saying, no, it's not going to work, that there's no guts to do anything. And it takes, to me, far longer than it should. What Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, that's AOC if you're not familiar with it, um, what she's doing is saying, okay, guys, basically, okay, old people, you've been here for how many decades and you've been talking about it for how long? What's Let's your plan? It. How are we going to get there? Let's stop, okay? And stop talking about half-ass 20% measures when the problem is far bigger than what you're proposing. What are we going to do, you know, this little bill call it an accomplishment and address it in 30 years, which is a lot of times what happens. So the conversation is now being led, to me it was obvious in 2016, the Democratic Party is becoming, what used to be liberal is now considered moderate. And that's kind of what I was saying earlier to where it takes liberal people to drag people, you know, to create the moderate position because centrism to me kind of lags behind where a lot of times the popular sentiment is and what people are willing to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, it's, uh, yeah, well, this is all, all uh, conversation birthed from Queer Eye from the Straight Guy. Uh, I mean, every time I talk about Queer Eye from the Straight Guy, I just happen to talk about Bernie Sanders. and Are you ever talking about politics? <laughs> <laughs> well, well y'all know about my Bernie crush. Yeah, we, 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 we don't need that. That's X-ray. He's always and on my Our mind. podcast listeners said, keep it classy. We don't need details Bernie on Bernie. Bernie. Yes. If it gets really? elected, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, I'm sure so they're that, thinking that. Though. That's Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, a milestone uh, reality show that uh, has seen its revival now uh, in 2018 and, and continuing into 2020, and we'll see how far it goes. But uh, a great show that uh, I think you know brought uh, gays, started bringing gays and lesbians and, and uh, to the uh, to the forefront of mainstream culture. So, that said, uh, let's switch gears, Tony. Yes. Okay. So actually, the end of that conversation before we got political kind of leads pretty well into our next topic. So, um, we're it's a there was a picket that took place in the '60s in San Francisco, and it isn't very well known. And it was actually not deemed very successful at the time that it took place, but it really planted the seed for future events in San Francisco that kind of were, in my mind gave momentum to the whole LGBT rights movement, which led to Stonewall three years later. But, um, and it was, it was actually led by drag queens and uh, transgender people. So it was San Francisco in 1966. And to kind of set the stage, you know, San Francisco is a very gay city. And the reason it's, there are so many gay people there is after World War II, the military was very strict about discharging homosexuals and they would discharge them to San Francisco, especially the Navy. They would just leave them there. And 
a lot of these people, after being dishonorably discharged from the military, couldn't really go home, so they stayed there. I mean, you could be discharged in worse places, right? I mean, like, <laughs> yes. like if you're going to be discharged yeah, yeah. in some place in the U.S., San Francisco, beautiful scenery, great, uh, great weather. I mean, I know folks this because it can be cool, cooler climate and misty a lot of the time. But I don't know. I think it, I mean that's a beautiful, yeah, beautiful part of the country. Yeah. So I mean, not that it was bad, but that's kind of why there's historically, you know, a lot of gay people there. So. You know, in the 60s, in America, it's not really easy to be gay, right? You can lose your family, you can lose your jobs, can't get kicked out of your house. And so the Tenderloin area was kind of the gay district. And the reason the gays were kind of kind of congregated there is, you know, similar to other cities, police were very, uh, you know, brutal to the gay community. And they kind of had this, if it happens in Tenderloin, we won't be as bad because as long as it's kept to one area... And then also, if all the gays were there, it made it easy on the cops to be like, I need some money. I'll just go raid that one area, take in a bunch of change, whatever. So uh, anyways, it was a pretty rough, rough area. And, um, it, and in San Francisco in particular, the gays were not accepting of transgender people or drag queens at all. Like they were not allowed in the gay bars. And so, um, you know, and living in America in the 60s, like, you know, like people that were openly cross-dressers or transgender could not get jobs. And so a lot of them were, were forced into prostitution and they, um, you know, did it in the Tenderloin area. And at that time it was illegal to be a cross-dresser. So if a cop saw you walking down the street, they could arrest you. I mean, they could threaten to arrest you and demand money. They could demand sex. They could do whatever. Um, you know, these prostitutes, some, cross-dressers or transgender people if they had a lot of singing or dancing talent could get a job doing that but again they had to wear male clothes to and from the venue they could only change there and because in public they couldn't be seen in it um a lot of their customers these prostitutes they could rape them murder them they could like cut off their genitalia and nothing would ever happen to them because the police didn't care so that's so crazy a pretty rough life and um one of their places of respite where they could like you know go was there was a a cafe called compton's cafeteria it was everybody in the tenderloin went there 24 hours cheap food so the drag queen and transgender uh prostitutes would go there at two three four in the morning because it was safe they could get off the streets they weren't going to get murdered weren't going to get arrested and so they would go there for coffee you know it's a sense of community um and they would actually go there to check up on each other to be like, okay, was anybody in the community murdered today? Were they raped? You know, I mean, it was pretty uh, rough life. And so that's where they would go. And then it even got to the point where there was a neighborhood church that was trying to, you know, do some things for LGBT rights. And they started going there. And so Compton's kind of was like, you know, we don't want this anymore. Like you're running away good business. Um, we can get raided for having cross-dressers in here. We can get shut down permanently. And so they were like, we don't want this anymore. So they would actually charge a service fee to transgender or cross-dressers. And they would call the police to have them harass. They'd say, bunch of drag queens in here, get them out. And the police would come and harass them, charge, you know, be like, pay us off or you're going to jail. And, you know, a lot of times when they went to jail, they were had humiliating inspections. They would shave their head to be mean, whatever. So um, on July 18th of 1966, which was three years before Stonewall, um, 
the drag queen and transgender prostitutes picketed. And so, but it wasn't a very successful picket. Nobody, picketed Comptons. Picketed Comptons. And so nobody really paid attention. Um, you know, they didn't lose any gay business. They didn't lose any straight business. Kind of fell by the wayside. So we're going to talk in, you know, some future episodes about why this planted the seed for future episodes or future events in San Francisco that really had a bigger impact on, on the movement for LGBT rights. But it was historic in its own right, and this was the first um, uh, public protest by transgender and people and drag queens in San Francisco. Um, but it's also one of the reasons that I want to talk about this topic was it is kind of personal to me because, you know, this was the 60s, and I mean, I do feel like very bad for these people. They had nowhere to go, and all they wanted to do was have a cup of coffee and but um, it's interesting because, you know, Compton's thing was I can get permanently shut down. I don't want the cops focusing on me, which it wasn't right, but also you could see their point in a way. And so it's interesting how 50-some years later, like in small-town Montana, the same thing went on. So, for example, um, you know, I was like a waiter in college, and one of the restaurants that I worked, there was this dishwasher. He was like – Super hardworking, super nice. Everybody loved him. The employees loved him. The uh, customers loved him. He was probably like in his late 30s. And he basically got caught sleeping with a guy. And so, of course, the entire town knows it. As soon as he gets caught, he's like, hey, I got to have a couple days off work. And looking back, I don't even know that he even asked for his job back. I think it was an unwritten rule that I'm gay. I can't. I'll not, not keep my job. And I remember somebody asking, like, is Ron going to come back to work? And the boss is like, no, we can't have that here. And then I also remember this different restaurant I worked. It was a diner type. This guy was from Butte, moved away. And so he and his boyfriend moved back to town. And they moved from, like, Oklahoma or something. So this boyfriend moved clear across the country for this guy. So obviously somewhat of commitment, you know. And we were looking for – they would come in and eat all the time, have coffee, and we were looking for wait staff. And he goes, oh, my God, I wait tables. He goes, I'd love to work here. You guys are awesome. You're, like, fun, you know, blah, blah, And so it was almost unanimous. Everyone's like, we cannot hire him because if we do, you know, there's going to be nothing but gay people that come in here. Mm. Heaven and forbid. What's that? Well, how so many heaven, are there in view? Heaven forbid. Exactly. Not many, but it's like – they were right in that if your friend, because I mean, four or five gay guys going out in the city of Butte. Um, it's a gay bar. Well, and there's not <laughs> a small gym. chance that you're going to get beat up, right? I right, mean, there's a pretty sure. decent. And so if you know somebody that works there, you're going to like feel a little more comfortable. And then, and so they weren't wrong. And I thought, it is true. If they hire this guy, a lot of gays will start coming here. And it's redneck, you know, and people are going to like, fuck all the fags are go there i'm not gonna go there and so it's kind of interesting how do you think though that would have been uh uh that would have been do you think that i mean that's the word they use like do you think though that would have been um so were they using it what was their excuse for not wanting to hire like was it because it was gonna they were gonna have less business or was it because they were scared or they were saying I think probably oh, both kid, I, know, I think like are gonna get some of these people up. probably and it's weird because they like a lot of them loved when they came in and they were super fun 
but it's and like they actually tipped probably probably yeah yeah and they treated you More nicely tip, and probably. stuff and so it wasn't just the tip Never i think is. they were like no if if you hire him all of his gay friends are going to come in here and then there's going to be other people that are like i don't want to go in there Good. and i mean are they going to lose that much business probably not but it's just that's the attitude in the culture yeah yeah so it's just kind of interesting how you know a lot of times we talk about we make all this progress but some things stay the same and it just kind of resonated with me like researching this that wow you know decades later still occurs yeah i mean i think uh i mean money talks right i mean that's this as i mean then that's why i think with uh you know the talk again about transgendered rights it's like that's not uh it's not it's not impacting a visible uh, contingent of the community. So folks are like, well, I mean, do we really have to change? And unless you've got the rest of the LGBT community. Now, see, I'm a full convert now. And if, unless you've got the rest of the LGBT community fighting for them. Like, well, and I do feel like they're um, voiceless. You know, one thing that I always think of is because, you know, like you were saying, some people in the gay community, they don't like femmes. They don't like transgender people, whatever. Um, but I mean, who were the first people in the Stonewall Inn to start beating the cops? The drag queens with their high heels, you know? And here, you know, it was like the transgenders that were one of the first people to stand up to the cops in San Francisco. And so, you know, I do feel we owe a lot of where we are today to these people. You know, people like, on, especially like you get on apps or dating sites, like, I don't want any femmes or whatever. It's like, well, you have some of the rights you do because of the femmes, you know? And it's all cyclical, too. Uh, it is, yeah. Uh, you know, because I was thinking there's Hamburger Mary's, which is like a chain of drag queen entertained restaurants. And you can't go now without having a reservation because it's all straight women. And I don't think that's so much 2019, which it has some to do with it. But in the 20s, even the, like the what was considered liberal open 20s, they had what was called the pansy craze to where... Um, they had nightclubs where drag queens would perform. And a lot of times it's men acting. They might be in a tux, but they're acting as women. Mm. Very rarely was it someone dressing as a drag queen. But um, at the time, they were considered drag queens. And it was like the popular, trendy thing to do was go watch these drag queens perform. And some of them were very famous. Of course, they couldn't be out of the closet. They had to give like double entendres and all that kind of stuff. But... That's in the 20s. And then we go back several decades, I'd say in the starting in the 30s. Um, and it's like that way for many, 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 many years. Yeah, and like when we talked about Buchanan being gay, it was just accepted. It's like, you know, that was what, the 1850s or whatever? And mm. it's, it didn't, like, they might have made a little bit of fun of him, but they were like, it doesn't affect his ability to do his job. So he and his boyfriend, and they had amazing careers. One was president one was vice president and so you know and they were both first ladies right <laughs> yeah they were <laughs> speaking of ladies uh there was a lady in the in the house okay she wasn't a lady but barney frank are y'all familiar with barney frank yes we're switching gears love here. barney frank I do too. hilarious i wish you were still in the house he was the first person to be out of the closet while they were in the Congress, which we'll save that for a different topic, because this topic, because we can, I can go on about Barney Frank 
for hours. Another old man. He has I mean, a crush he was on. like exactly. I know. He's no like Bernie, but your pants. he's a spank bank. Do you like anybody under seventy? Bernie's like pre-Bernie. Bernie's no, that's why we go home. Um. So what happened on July nineteenth, nineteen ninety? Is the House of Representatives uh, Ethics Committee votes voted to reprimand Representative Barney Frank for his involvement with a male prostitute? So before there was Grinder, there were classified ads. So you would go to like the back of gay magazines. I mean, obviously there was cruising in the park, but if you wanted to be a little more classy about it, you went to the classified ads and um, you know would read these anonymous ads to get your booty. So yeah, on April Fool's of nineteen April Fool's Day of nineteen eighty five, uh, Barney Frank answered a classified ad in the Washington Blade, which is a gay publication in Washington D.C. The ad said, "Quote: Exceptionally good-looking, personable, muscular athlete is available. Hot bottom plus large endowment equals a good time." This is in nineteen eighty five. Wait, they were looking for a hot bottom. This or? is Barney Frank reading the classified ad. The ad said, "Hot bottom plus well endowed." What, what did it say? Hot well bottom. endowed. Yeah, equals a good time. Exceptionally good-looking, personable, muscular athlete is available. Hot bottom plus large endowment equals a good time. No, I guess I'm want. wondering, like, were they looking for a hot, like, was the muscular No, athlete? I think he's saying I have a hot bottom and I'm well-endowed, whatever you want. Yeah, yeah okay. he was you advertising gotcha. his own okay. body. Gotcha. Oh. And he wound up being a prostitute, and I don't know if the time, I think it was understood. It's kind of like how they used to have the massage, and they, they still do in the game. The massage ads of, like, I'll come over and massage your body and the picture is like this guy in a speedo all muscled oh, up and you know it's you <laughs> didn't you you're supposedly paying for a massage you, but tony you wouldn't have known but kendall did you remember those because you didn't watch tv tony but like uh the one the one nine hundred uh personal connection uh commercials oh, yeah. like hey if you want to be with a and they had men and women right but the men i guess the men one were trying to appeal to uh Women, mm, but they were—they were, they were trying. Sure. I mean, they were all gay men. I like, have a funny story about that later. Did you call them? But you know, they never actually are laying around in their lingerie. No. With their big hairspray bangs. <laughs> I have like two stories the- about this. Then <laughs> <laughs> funny was like, numbers. and they're not about me. They're about friends. <laughs> of course, they are. <laughs> okay, back to male prostitution. Yes, prostitution whore. So the ad uh, Barney Frank responded to. Now Barney Frank had been in Congress at this point for four years. Uh, the guy's name was Stephen Gobi, and he was a prostitute. And after they had sex a few times, they became friends. And he hired Gobi with his own money um, and kept him at his own house, Barney Frank did, and hired him as an aide, a housekeeper, and a driver. Now, Gobi was a little shady. He what? had already had previous. A prostitute? Shady? Okay. He wasn't one of the classy prostitutes. He already had previous felony convictions for possession of cocaine, oral sodomy, and production of obscene items involving a juvenile. So not only did Barney Frank like, let him live at the house and pay him, he paid his attorney fees and his court-mandated psychiatrist. Oh. So I need a friend like that to pay for my attorney man. and psychiatrist. <laughs> and Deep pockets. So they were together for a while until the landlord came to Barney Frank and was like, your guy has people coming in and out. I think he's running a prostitution ring. No way. And sure enough, he was, and he admitted to it. He was a pimp and a prostitute. And Barney Frank was like, no, I had no clue. I had no idea. I call that an entrepreneur. Yeah. Right? Um, 
which kind of ironically or not ironically, Barney Frank was consistent on prostitution because when he was in the Massachusetts House of Representatives in 1976, he proposed, and everyone came up with a vote because it was too controversial, but he proposed um, for prostitution to be legal as long as it was in the red light district of Boston. It didn't go anywhere, but I mean, that was ahead of his time in 1976. So... they had been all, living together for two all years. That, all that when he just could have found homeless men. Well, when you're in the closet, you it's easier to pay for it. Because <laughs> you expect them to be discreet if you're paying oh, for it. A homeless guy might go tell the press. I mean, what's wrong with having sex with homeless men? Nothing. Nothing. I'm just saying. Okay, it's thank like, you. That, yeah, I, I just feel like he spent I mean, it was a, a hobby of mine in the past. He spent just a lo- one. He spent a lot of God. money on, on, on prostitution. So he kicked him out um, in 1987. Actually, he kicked him out, and then a few months later, he actually came out of the closet, which we can also talk about in a different episode, because he knew it was about to be leaked to the press, so he's like, I want to do this on my own. And he had a Boston Globe report her. He said, will you ask me in an interview if I'm gay? Because otherwise it looks like I'm like, how can I say it's not a big deal that I'm gay if I come out in this big okay, front yeah. page thing. So he was actually out um, a few years later in 1989 when this guy, Stephen Gobi, was watching Candace Bergen in a TV movie play like a DC madam type. Oh, okay. And the article I read in the Washington Post said Stephen Gobi was sitting with his, and they quote, girls at his townhouse, which I thought was kind of like a sly... Like his pimped out girls. No, his friends. Okay. Like, they were making it sound like he was just kikiing with the girls, like a gay guy would do. It said Stephen Gobi was sitting with his, quote, girls, unquote, at his townhome. I mean, can you just say friends? Yeah. But anyway, it was a subtle, like, he gay. Yeah. Um, And the friends were like, according to him, that could be you. You were a DC pimp living in an expensive townhome. Uh, Why don't you sell your story? So he tried to sell his story to a news station in DC or Washington Post, or Washington Times, he thought there'd be a bidding war. Um, there wasn't a bidding war, so he was like, well, like hell. Who cares? Oh. Yeah, they weren't going to pay, so he was like, well, I can get a book deal out of it. So he gave it to the Washington Times for free, and they came out with the story. And Barney Frank was like, I didn't know he was a prostitute. I didn't know he was running a prostitution ring out of my home. Now, this guy was like, he knew... He said it, it turned him on. I mean, the guy would be like, he said Barney Frank would be like, when can I come home because I don't want to be caught in the same town home with them. And then he would get home and he'd be like, tell me about it. Oh, he okay. would, like he wanted to know all. He said he was living vicariously through him. So the house, of course, was in an uproar. It wasn't Republican-led back then, but it doesn't really matter because even the Democrats would have been like, oh, like, my God, you you're toxic. Distraction, yeah. But, I mean, I feel like, though, nowadays, you'd be like, you, you, you're drawing sides. I, go, I, I don't know if there would have been the same. Al Franken, they got rid of him. The Minnesota. That's because Me Too had just. Yeah, but happened. still. I mean, it was I like mean, a. But if a Republican had done that, they would have not got rid of him. I don't think the R's would have done anything. I mean, I don't think they do anything now to him. But yeah, the Democrats. <coughs> it's a tricky. I mean, the Dems put themselves in a tricky situation. They kind of had to do something with Al Franken. You can't pretend to go after yeah. every bad, you know, 
person, and then all of a sudden you're well, on I think they did the right thing. That's what I'm saying. Uh, although that's ha you know, haunting Gillibrand now. Uh, so, but she's not. Well, there's so much hypocrisy. It. Look, Republicans are ignoring every rape charge against Donald Trump, but no Democrat is saying they believe the many, many women that accused Bill Clinton of sexual assault. I think they are now, but yeah, at the time, 90s, it was just kind of like, oh, well, are, are, are you sure? And the Republicans mm. are doing the Well, same they thing. are now because it, they know that if I say... But I also think, like, in the 90s, maybe a lot of it is, like, what they say to the public, right? And so, regardless of what they believe personally, I think they were, you know, they were, like, um... I don't know. They have to have that front, I think, sometimes. I think, too, like, for me, if I go back to why I wasn't, like, fully believing the stories of the women who accused Clinton, and maybe this is just my fuzzy memory, but I feel like most of the stories were told through the Inquirer. So they weren't, there, there weren't a lot, they were reported through, like, some of the national, but they weren't giving the attention that the accusers of Donald Trump are giving. They're all, they're on ABC, NBC. Yeah. CNN, even Fox to a certain extent. Well, there were tapes, though, like Jennifer Flowers had tapes. A lot of these women had proof. He would, Bill Clinton would lie and deny and deny, and then they would have some kind of proof, whether it be a dress with semen on it or tapes that obviously sound like him that he had admitted to an affair. And, yeah, they were. it was in the National Enquirer, but they went there with, the receipts I know, but times. like, when did you believe that? I mean, I just considered the national reading the National Enquirer like watching the the, the Real Housewives. I mean, I didn't yeah. like it wasn't anything that I'm like, okay, that's something, but I didn't put a lot of stock into it. But now, as you as those things are a bit more mainstream, I'm kind of like the the and those news articles and and recordings have come to light more in a public forum. I'm like, oh well, shit, like, yeah, Bill Clinton was not a good person. Again, well, now he's got that whole Jeffrey Epstein, who's good friends with Jeffrey Epstein, who got busted yep. right. for underage sex with females. Although that might bring down Trudy. Trump as well. Yeah, we'll see. Well, I don't, nothing's brought down Trump yet. Yeah, so. it might be bring exactly. down some of his supporters. But hey, you know, Barney Frank survived that little... Uh, well, Frank said, look, I didn't know anything about it. Why don't you investigate told the ethics committee why don't you investigate and see if you find anything out they couldn't come to any conclusion um and barney frank must have known they didn't have the goods on him that's why he volunteered to be investigated um, but they did find out that he used his influence to get 33 parking tickets fixed for a oh, prostitute okay. yeah stephen goby so they reprimanded him for that and then that's truly what they were voting for when it went to the full house to reprimand him and it passed 408 to 18. And so what is the consequence of a reprimand? Like, you don't get... It just goes on the record as okay, where it's not like you get, you. yeah. But guess who led the whole charge against him? Who was the biggest vocal whatever against him is Larry Craig. <laughs> oh, really? Larry tap, Craig, who... Tap your toes on the bathroom floor. Yeah, who became Larry a Craig. senator from Idaho and then got busted for trying to have sex with an undercover... FBI agent in, in the Minneapolis airport, airport. He still denies being gay, but it's so obvious. Oh, my God, yes. You know, when I heard that, I was like, was that a way that you could cruise guys? I didn't know that. I know. I was like, way. what? Like, there's a secret I language like, I didn't know. Now you're tap dancing in the bathroom every time you go in. I know. No one pays attention. Now everyone's tap dancing. See, and so. after that, everyone was afraid to do it, so then it went like... <laughs>
Thanks, Larry. I know. We're all tapping like crazy, and then everyone's like, oh, no. So I get arrested. I was like, <laughs> and now it's 2019. No one cares. You just tap away. Well, you're tapping now on your phone, so. Tap, tap, tap. So that's, uh, that's Barney Franco. That's it. All yeah. right. Well, that's. Uh, oh, but you know what? He, it didn't ruin his career. Like, for instance, when he came out in 1987, in 1988, he won with 70% of the vote, less than a year after coming out of the closet. And then in 1980, yeah. yeah. he was from Massachusetts. Where? Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Um, but 70% at that point was his highest win. And then after this whole prostitution thing came out, he won with 66%. So it really didn't... Sometimes the way you respond... I think my point is sometimes people are more ready, not always, to accept certain things than we assume. Yeah, and I think some people... Um, you know, they like authenticity and honesty because, I mean, how many of his supporters have probably been in a similar situation where they had affairs or, you know, whatever. And so you just appreciate honesty and openness. And Also, knowing Barney Frank, he did not, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm ashamed, all that kind of stuff. He said, look, investigate me. I didn't know what this guy was doing. Tell me what you found out. You know what I mean? Like he was very, he's a super good attorney. He was always good on the Judiciary Committee hearings. Um, But I think part of the reason was they liked the fact that he was tough back, Mm -hmm. regardless of the topic. I feel like there's something to be said about someone who can just be like, hey, look. And to me, that was always my mentality, like, back in the day when I was butch and played football. Like, I I was always one who, like, hey, I don't care what – if you know – if you're on the other side of the line and you know that – what play I'm 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 about to execute because I'm going to execute it and we're going to beat you right so I don't need to be scared that you know what's in my playbook I guess is my point and so looking at like uh, I like the the style of Barney Frank saying go ahead come at me because I know I got my stuff in a row and I'm I'm going to beat you yeah uh, and so and it's not in a cocky way it's just like try it on me bring bring it so. Uh, so Barney Frank. So we'll have to talk about more about Barney Frank. I think there's episode. a lot of stories there. Yeah. Yeah. So he was, uh, yeah, quite a quite a character in, in Congress. So, all right. Well, I think that was a fun little kiki guy. So thank you for sharing yes. all of your fun knowledge. And uh, uh, Tony, I hope you start to feel better. Well, it sounds like I, I know you're on the road to recovery, but I hope yes. those you don't get gangrene or something like that. <laughs> don't Just put kidding. any ideas in my head. And uh, Kendall, uh, we'll be looking forward to hearing more stories about your naps now that you're back from vacation. Oh, I have plenty. Oh, great. So I had a mid-morning nap and then a mid-afternoon nap. What a life. No wonder you look so good tonight. Thank you. I feel rested. So rested. All right. Well, thank you for listening to our podcast and getting to Kiki with us. Uh, If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe to hear future episodes. Give us a review. We appreciate those, too, wherever you're listening. You can visit our website at letstalkaboutgaystuff.com. Of course, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Let's Talk About Gay Stuff. Not only do we have fun little adverts about what we're doing, but we also have a daily post of uh, the day in LGBT history. So if you're interested in learning more, uh, be sure to follow us there. We're also on Twitter at Talk Gay Stuff. Also, don't forget to give a listen to our sister podcast, Our Spoopy Podcast, uh, whose podcast is also available now. So, we're here. We're queer. Get used to it.